welcome to the Taylor Talks podcast. I am your host, Don Taylor, and today we get to talk to one of the biggest fans of the podcast. No, I'm just, I'm just being a turd. We actually get to talk to one of my favorite humans, and it's my sister, my sister, Jill. We are going to be digging into, as you heard from the last episode, the other side of adoption. So if you listen to the last episode, amazing. You know exactly what we're going to be diving into today because you got to hear my nephew Reese talk. If you didn't, stop now, go back, listen to that episode because we're looking at adopt and a blah, we're looking at adoption from both sides. So from a child who's been adopted, but also from the parent. And on my side is the auntie of the kids that were adopted. So before we get started, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my sister so that you can fall in love with her too. She's a nurse. She's a mom of four amazing kids, I guess, four and a half now with, with married in. So she has three more significant others that I endure, right? Like there's a whole lot more kids in there now. They're all amazing. Um, she has a farm. I think it's safe. There's a lot of pets. There's just a lot of pets and a lot of land going on there. Um, but she's also my big sister. She's also my big sister and has blessed me with four and now seven of the most amazing humans that I get to love and call my nieces and nephews. So welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you're here. So what is it you wish people were talking about? I think, I mean, just there's like the good, bad, ugly, beautiful parts of adoption. And I think that a lot of people don't truly understand it or um, go into it understanding what all the pieces are going to be. And it's really hard and there's a lack of support too. So, yeah. Totally is. So without giving too many details because it's the kids' stories and not ours, um, my amazing sister and her husband, John, adopted four beautiful babies. They were from three months old up to, I think the oldest was about just over six when they were adopted. So, literally like went from zero to four kids overnight and they're all half siblings. It was absolutely amazing and crazy. And I'll never forget the day that you called and you were like, I think these are our kids. And I was like, what? And you sent me a picture and you're like, what are we like? What is this? And we, it was like, I just remember thinking like, holy cow, these are going to be our nieces and nephews. Like these are going to be our babies. So obviously there's, you know, most people adopt because there's been infertility or struggles to get pregnant, those sorts of things. So let's start at the beginning. What were your guys' expectations on adopting? Like, what is it you thought it was going to be? What were your fears? What were the excitement things? But like, really let's dive into the expectations of it. I was quite open to adoption very, very early on in our infertility journey because I had babysat adopted kids. I had dated an adopted guy. Um, it didn't scare me. I was I was having so much pain in the infertility journey. And I was just like, can we just move on? Like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And John was a lot more. He wanted to make a baby, which is totally fair. And, um, and he didn't know anybody that was adopted. So there was a lot more fear on his end. And we, yeah, after watching me, it was three years of trying, but the last year I was on fertility drugs and I was not doing well emotionally. And I was puking all the time. And I remember going to the doctor and the doctor's like, I think we need you to try this for eight more months and then we'll send you to the fertility clinic. And I lost it. 
and we got down to the car and John's like, we're adopting he. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And he just jumped in with both feet. Um, he was totally on board. We went to some adoption picnics and met other adoptive families. I had a friend who had adopted kids. And so we saw these little people as more than just these scary kids in the foster system, I, which is what a lot of people see. They just see all the hurt and they don't think that they can manage that in their house. So that really helped us. Um, and then we got a social worker who was very proactive. She'd been doing um, removals for 20 years. She was heading into retirement and was like, I just want to do adoptions. I want to find these kids' families. So she did nothing by the rules. Uh, we, we were like, they told us the home study would take a year. Ours was three visits. Um, and she just like, we were supposed to do adoption education. This is 20 years, like 17 years ago. So now it's a lot different, but she basically, we did we did homeschool adoption education with our adoption workers. She just like blew us through it, got us in contact with a few adoptive families and said, you guys are ready to go. Um, we had thought we would start, we had always wanted four kids, but when you can't have them, you're like, one would be great. Um, so our, our, our amount of kids decreased significantly. And we were kind of looking for one kid under the age of four boy, girl, we were like open to kind of a lot of things. Um, and then at our first adoption meeting, she said, you know, there's a lot of times where, especially in the foster care system, where mom's already given birth to a second child before, by the time that they're actually available for adoption, because <clears throat> they really work on reunited, reuniting them with their family first. And we were like, that would be amazing if we could get to, because then we could just do this once. And like a one-year-old, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, a four-year-old, that would be amazing. And then she's like, but you have some room for three. Do you think three would be okay? And I'm like, that's crazy. And John and I are like, well, we could do it. We could do three. It would work. Um, and she, at our next home study visit, this is like a month later, she's like, I have these three, these three kids, they're boys and they're six, four and two. And John and I, like our gut response was like, no, no, these aren't the kids. And I don't know what made us feel that. We just spoke like there wasn't even, I didn't even ask any more questions. It was just like, no, these aren't the ones. And then at the next home study visit, she's like, I have a family for you. These are the kids. And I was like, a family for us. Okay, how many kids are we talking? She's like, they're six, four, and two, and there's baby on the way. Baby might not be up for adoption, but we suspect that they will be. And I was like, this is crazy. I, I was like, does anybody adopt four kids? And she's like, no, nobody does this. And John oh, and I, oh, I remember these conversations. Yeah. And John and I had just bought a Honda Civic maybe nine months prior for our new family oh. that was coming. And these kids weren't going to fit in this brand new Honda Civic. And I, I remember thinking, this is like batshit crazy. This is dumb. This is a bad idea. And she left the house and all we knew was their names and their ages. And we knew nothing else about them. And she left our house and John and I felt we like we had stepped out on a stage and we were floating like that stage fright feeling where I was like, I need to take a big deep breath. But like, I think these are our babies. And I, I, everybody, I was like, well, I'm going to call mom because Mom has a lot of anxiety. She's going to tell me that this is stupid. So much. <laughs> and she was over the moon. She was so excited. I yeah. kids and I was like, oh, okay, this is weird. And then I called you and you were so excited. I thought somebody's going to tell me this is dumb. And my two like safest people both were like, bring it on. Let's do this. And all the people that loved John and I and that knew our journey and that walked with us and prayed with us all worked completely on board and like, we'll do whatever we can to help you. All of us. 
People at work, however, were like, that is stupid. And I was like, you're right. It's crazy. What are we thinking? Um, Yeah, but we just knew. It was like, at my core, we both knew that this is 100% what we were supposed to be doing. And then- It was wild. Like, I remember Chad and I getting off the phone, like I got off the phone call with you and I told him and he's like, why does this feel right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is nuts. But then like, we also went into like, panic of like they need help like we have to figure this out so what was the timeline like what was the timeline from when you even heard these names to when you went and picked them up because I don't think people like I think people will be shocked hearing how quick this all went down so June is when we went to the adoption agency and said like to the ministry office and said we're looking into adoption we met our social worker in July at a picnic she started her home study in September I think in October is when we heard about the little boys and like oh two weeks three weeks later we heard about our kids and then and we said yes so that was like no it was earlier than that it was in September I think it was I think it was September we heard about them and then in October Reese was born and I got a call at work saying your baby was born you know they're six pounds nine ounces and I was like bouncing at work I just had a baby um And people were like, why are you at work? I'm like, because we can't have them yet. Yeah, you're um, like, it's not actually mine yet. They're not actually mine yet, but I had a baby today. Um, yeah, and then we started talking to the foster parents in December, and they came home in January. So it was seven months from that first visit with the social worker, like the first encounter to having four kids in our house. Yeah, and I remember a pregnancy. Oh yeah. I remember thinking that like it was less than a pregnancy and it was nuts. And so you guys had to go out and like buy a van. And I remember Chad and I showing up and we brought you like our actual dining room table and the bench seat nothing. and all of the chairs. Cause you guys had nothing. Like you had no. nothing to prepare like for this. Plastic dishes, beddings. We had enough towels for two people. We needed like six people's worth of towels. I needed toys. Yeah like everything. I remember coming in, we like, we had gone to Ikea and we had shelving and we brought you guys a deep freeze. And do you remember that? Like we literally like loaded up like a truck, like the whole box. And our, whole and our dining truck. room light didn't work. So for the first six months that we had the kids, we ate dinner by candlelight and you guys came at, which is really actually quite fun. The kids loved it, but yeah. um, we had no proper light above our dining room table. So they came and installed a multicolored primary color fan above our table and the kids we all did because we thought it would be fun for the kids like yeah but they also they yeah they were like why are we candlelight I'm like because it's so fun <laughs> right <laughs> but it was so wild and I remember we did a you guys did a photo shoot so you got them in January and I don't know how April. soon after like was it April because mm-hmm. we came up for Easter and hung out with you guys and met our nieces and nephews and it was so wild because like we also couldn't have kids there's there's a high high rate of infertility and struggles around pregnancy in our extended family but you just assume that you're going to meet a niece or a nephew as an infant and as a baby and you know this like six-year-old walks in the room and all of a sudden you're like playing with these little kids and at no point and this was actually really cool. At no point did Chatter I think like, oh, these are our new like adopted kids. It was like, no, these are just our babies. Like these are our kids. And now we love them and they're ours. But I remember making, and I don't know if you guys remember this, but 
making like a giant family tree with photos of everybody because these poor kids are like meeting all of the extended family and all of these people. And I actually made this massive poster that had like actual photos of every single person with like lines drawn. And I had them help me to like try to figure out where they fit. And I'll never forget like the line for them was like little hearts because it was like, no, 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 we love you. We chose you like you're ours. So I remember how hard it was for you. Oh, there's my dog. Um, how hard it was to wait till April to meet them too. Cause we really wanted them to know we were their parents. We didn't want to overwhelm them. So we were like, you can't come see them yet. And everybody's like, what? And we made people wait weeks and months. Like even mom and dad, it was, it was a while after and it was torture for people. Yeah. It's like, we have a new family and you can't meet them. It was so hard. It was so hard, but it was also I don't know if it's because like we grew up where our mom's best friend had two little boys that were adopted. And so we'd experienced so much adoption in our life and watching these kids and, and just loving them. And I don't know, we just, we were like, yeah, okay. Like Mm -hmm. it's hard, but we totally have mad respect for the fact that you have to put these boundaries in place to protect. Yeah, Nobody, nobody questioned it. Everybody was very, very respectful of it. And, but it was, it was hard and we wanted help and we were like, but you can't come. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh, it was so crazy. But with that, our family, and you heard last week, listeners that Reese even said this, like our family was amazing. Like from grandparents down, nobody batted an eye. Nobody questioned it. There was never like, oh, they're different or like. I love the fact that they'd like find pictures of our birth relatives that looked like them to be like, look, you even look like the family. <laughs> like you're like yeah. one of them. Like it was never, it was never a thing. It was yeah. never a question. It was never a thing. We just freaking loved these kids and yeah. they were ours. But well, some of those expectations of adopting, right? Like there's this interesting struggle with the fertility issues and all of that and just wanting a child to love and take care of and all that. But going in, what were your expectations on how it would be to have adopted kids, the love you'd get, all of that? Yeah, we had done a lot of research um, prior, especially adopting toddlers. They just don't understand what's happening. So they really, yeah, it, it can be quite a traumatic time to be adopted and it can lead to a lot of future stuff. And because they, like a couple of them were so old and had abuse prior, um, there was a lot of trauma coming too. So So we knew that it was going to be really hard. I mean, like I knew there was, we were already talking with the foster parents about the behavior things and the school things and the like sleeping issues and the eating issues. And the like, these were, these weren't like, little lovable cuddly kids that were just going to embrace us with open arms they were scared they were hurting and they were getting a new family a new school a new church a new neighborhood a new sibling because the baby wasn't living in the same home as them so we were picking up three at one home and one at another home and being like now we're a family um and just crazy yeah it was wild and yeah so there was a lot of adjustment we had and and I I knew it was going to be really hard but I I remember at 10 years looking back and being like are they ever going to be okay like I just want them to heal I just want them to be happy I just want them to know I love them and being like they might not ever get this so I don't 
think I really understood the length of time that that healing would take. Um, I figured if John and I loved them enough that it would just be, it would get easy, like five years in and we'd be like a normal family, whatever that means. I don't know what normal is, but yeah, um, that, <laughs> we're raised that way. <laughs> like really what is normal? Yeah. yeah. And I, and I, I think I expected we get a bit more support from the ministry than we, than we got. Um, we got financial support, but we didn't have any human body support. Um, and then also like family doesn't know how to support you when your child is, is violent or is smashing their head on the concrete till their forehead bleeds. Like they, they don't know what to do. And I don't blame anybody, but a lot of our people just kind of backed up. It was scary. It was too much. And John and I also isolated. So instead of like reaching out, we would just, we would go to outings. Like even family didn't know how hard it was because we could tell when they were going to start to escalate and we would vacate. Then you guys would we, run. Yeah. We'd be like, bye-bye. And they'd be like, oh, they're so lovely. We had such a great family gathering. And then it would take us three hours to drive the one hour drive back to Prince George because we were raging and throwing rocks and crying and kids like, you know, and we would get home and we'd be like, why did we even do that? And so, but we didn't really share that with people because we didn't know if they could handle it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And then there's also like, we must be doing it wrong. So there's this feeling of like, if I'm honest, then people will know that we're bad parents and we were doing our absolute best, you know? So yeah. And I won't go into the details of all their struggles because that is totally their story. But um, yeah, there were times where I thought, is this ever going to get okay? Are we ever going to be okay? Are the kids ever going to be okay? Like maybe this was a big mistake, not that I wished I hadn't adopted them, but maybe we weren't the right family. And then I was like, no, no, God placed these kids in our life for a reason. He chose us to be his, their parents. And like, I knew at my core that we were supposed to be their parents, but there was also times that were so hard that we were like, maybe somebody else would have been a better fit and they'd be doing better. I, I think is, yeah. So with that, I know you and I have had conversations since of, okay, so side note for everybody, all four of them are doing amazing. They really are. They like, are amazing. They're all doing amazing. Like they're 17 up to 23 right now. They're happy and healthy and living life. And I was going to say there's eight of them now, like we're family where you said seven, they all have significant others. Oh, that's right. They do. Right? And so like, we're planning family pictures and there's 12 of us in the family, like for July. So yeah, they're, they, they, they all have jobs that they, well, not that they love necessarily, but they're thriving in and they're happy in their relationships. They, they're doing great. They're doing amazing. But part of that too, is as you guys have processed and dealt with it, it became a massive trauma mm -hmm. personally and the PTSD and the grieving and everything that had to go down. Right. One thing I did want to say is for anyone listening, who's dealt with this or has family that's dealt with this is like, get in, get them in for some therapy and some help now and not just yeah. the kids, the parents. Yeah. I wish John and I reached out for help sooner. And like, I didn't realize how much our trauma was until like one of our children moved out of our home for a while due to safety and then moved back in and John was, I don't want to share too much about him because it's, he's not here speaking, no, no, but no, for sure. he's very open about this. 
um, he had PTSD from parenting. And so every time this child would would start to be defiant or act like a normal teenage boy um, with a little bit of attitude, he would react just like it had been at the worst. And when we had to have him removed and, and, and I was like, John, you can't react like that. Like he's trying so hard to be back home and he's healed and he's doing so good. And then every time he has one little hiccup, you are over the moon. And it was totally a PTSD response. And he got into some great counseling and John is a different human after that. Like oh, his 100%. whole, it changed who he is. And he's the first to tell, like, we've met with a few adoptive families. And he's like, if you are having like PTSD, like it's real, it's legit. It makes your life miserable. It makes your kid's life miserable. Like, please get help for it. He's a huge advocate for, and and I, yeah, I don't think I realized how much, like John and I both grew up. I mean, we thought it was fairly healthy, but any little bit of trauma that you did have as a child now gets compounded. And one of the kids as an adult was over and we're talking about what it was like. And, you know, there were times that were so hard. And I was like, we were living in trauma soup. I was like, you guys were dealing with your trauma. Dad and I were dealing with our trauma. We were being traumatized by what we were hearing from you. We were being traumatized by behavior. We were reacting out of our trauma, which was not ideal causing more trauma. I'm like, let's just stir all this shit up in a pot and then try to like be healthy and happy. Um, and she's just like, yes, yes, that is what it is. And it's like now they're adults. I mean, my, I still have a teenager, but you know, like they're, they're growing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and they're like, yeah, it was really hard, but like, it was also, I think they're all realizing we are all a bunch of messed up humans and it's okay. And they're recognizing that they're loved. I, I still think sometimes they don't really believe how much John and I love them. Um, that I would, you know, yeah. As our oldest was 19. He's like, I just realized you guys aren't going to go anywhere. You're not going to ditch me. And I'm like, finally. And so I, <laughs> it took and I think like this, 13 years. I remember you I know, and telling me that and be like, he finally is figuring it out. I'm like, oh my gosh. Right. And like, you really, I know people are like, you don't sell adoption well. And I'm like, no, it's not that I don't sell adoption well. I, I just think we need to go into it really realistically. And we need to like, when we went into, when we first adopted, we went, met with our pastor at our church who had adopted children. And he said, if you're going into adoption, um, expecting to have kids that just love you and adore you stop right now because that is your love tank is not going to be filled if you go into adoption because it's your ministry and this is your life work and you are going to like just love on kids and they are going to become your family they'll love you back too but that can't be your expectation you have to be okay if they don't ever get it and they don't ever really um yeah and and i was like oh okay and so John and I went into it with that mindset and I, that truly saved us. Like I remembered that many times and, and also at church, like when they'd be like, we want you to do Sunday school. We want you to do this. And I was like, I can't, I'm barely surviving with my kids at home. And I'm like, this is my ministry. And those words really like kept a lot of guilt off of me that sometimes just place like I should be ministering I should be involved more I should be doing more I should be volunteering more and I'm like I can't I just don't have every day in my house my house is my ministry and so I think that if we go into adoption like that 
and like, I have amazing, rewarding relationships with my kids. I adore them. I, I think they adore me. Um, um, but yeah, it's been a journey. It's hard and people, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> no, it, no, but it totally is. Right. So then another curveball that got thrown your way that I know I've talked to friends about too, is all of a sudden randomly one day, you know, the world decided to start doing ancestry.com and 23andMe. And now you can actually find your birth families and find all your relatives. And all of a sudden you had two children decide, Hey, for Christmas, can we get these tests? Yeah. Let's talk about so we went into Reese's story and we won't go into the kids' stories. I know three yeah. of your kids have met birth family. Yeah. One, one is not actually, one is not interested at all. Couldn't no. care less. I know uh, I have four kids that couldn't be any different. And oh. so that's been part of the challenge too, is they dealt with the trauma. All so They're so different. They're yeah. four completely polar opposite children. And I love it. But <laughs> one has actually met like birth dad. One has no desire. One has met siblings even and grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins. And that would be Reese that we talked to last episode. And then the third one has met like aunts and uncles and cousins and some people, but birth mom has passed away and did prior to them having the opportunity to meet her. I mean, some of them had known her when they were little, but talk to me about you and John dealing with the fact that your kids, because so many parents are scared of that, right? Like what if they find their birth family and then they stop loving us or we're going to be replaced or whatever it is. How did you and John deal with that? A, when they wanted the testing in the first place and B, when all of a sudden they're like, Oh, Hey, want to come meet my family? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I don't know, John and I have always been pretty open about like the more people that love our kids, the better. Yeah. If they're safe, if they're safe people and, and especially with like how hard parenting was and the different challenges that they faced. I truly, like I joke sometimes that it takes a village to raise a child, but it takes a metropolis to raise some of ours because we needed teams of people behind these kids to help them. (laughs) And thank God for these teams. Like that's what made all the difference. Um, So I've always, I'm, I'm very open to people in my kids' lives. Um, we had hoped for more openness with their birth mom and due to safety, it was never really an option. Um, and so when, and at one point they had wanted to do it and I would, they, the child that really wanted to meet it, just, it was really struggling emotionally. And I was like, are you ready for what you might face? So there's been a bit of like, what if this goes really badly? Are you going to be strong enough for that? Um, so any reservation that John and I had was related to them being able to cope with it or like, are these safe people? Um, because it just like, it's opening up a lot to their lives. So much. And you can't take it back. You can't like be like, I'm going to unmeet you. That's not going to be a thing. Um, well, not knowing so, how the response would be. Yeah. That's scary. That that's was really probably scary. the craziest. Mm. Yeah. And so they did the ancestry.ca or yeah, we waited till our oldest was like, I was like, she's going to do this anyway. Let's just, let's just do this. Like, and then our youngest one was doing well enough emotionally that we were like, if the two of you do this, this together and John and I are part of it, then I think that this is, this is okay. Um, so we did it and it started us on a wild journey. That's been very cool. Actually. Um, there's been no unsafe people. There's been, there's one birth sister that's not really, or 
yeah, first sister that's not interested in meeting um, Reese. And Reese is like, oh, okay. But I think there was enough positive um, response that they could deal with the negative. Not being able to meet their birth mom has been, that was a big thing we had to grieve. Um, they were really hoping they would be able to see her. So it, that was hard to watch them go through that because we didn't know she was deceased when this all started. Um, and then finding out that Reese's birth dad had passed away. And so just some of those, um, yeah, that's that was hard to watch them process. But the other family that is available has been very open. And I think it's filled in a lot of gaps for them, answered a lot of questions that they had. It has. It's been really interesting to watch. I'll never forget the look on Reese's face when he looked at me and was like, that's where my bum chin comes from. And it was the cutest comment ever from this like 16 year old kid who sounded like a child in that moment being like, look, <laughs> like I see me <laughs> in somebody. Right. I know. And they're like, if you walk around that community, everybody would know you're part of that family because of that feature. Right. And, and that how cool for a kid that's never looked like their family. Right. And he's never felt that. Yeah. So for somebody who has adopted or who's considering adopted, is there any like word of advice, resources, anything that you'd be willing to share to help them walk that journey? Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I mean, I was a very sweet, soft, passive person before I adopted my kids. Mm -hmm. It took a while to get grizzly bearish and I'm a, I'm quite a different person than I was and I said I had <laughs> in good ways in yeah. bad ways I swear more um, <laughs> um, yes you do I yeah, like yes I do yeah I'm a lot more feisty but I just like be a grizzly bear fight for your kids don't just yeah don't be okay with the, the shitty answers that you get from people um there's usually somebody that knows like we finally got help when one of my kids committed a crime and we're doing youth probation. And I'm like, what? There's resources here that we needed when you were six. Why are we doing this when you're 12 and 13? Um, and finally, all of a sudden, these resources were available and they were life-changing. And so had I, I don't know, just like really, really fight, really search, be honest about how it's going. John and I try, we, we hit a lot of what was happening. I don't know what it was due to like, shame or just I know I I think I felt like there's just nobody out there that can help this this is too big yeah. and so we try yeah <laughs> oh yeah but nobody knows how to help like no. all of our friends at that stage like we we adopted our kids before they were even having kids so we had a bunch of newly married friends who had never parented and all of a sudden Jill and John have these four kids that are you know, screaming and yelling and it's very overwhelming and their behaviors are out of this world and Jill and John are crying and nobody, you know, didn't know what to do. They, and they, they look back now, they have kids that are like 10 and 11 and they're like, oh my gosh, if we could go back, we would do things so differently. Like they're like, we would like, they just feel so bad for how, the lack of support they gave us, yeah. but they're doing exactly what their 23 year old brains thought we should do. They, oh, 100%. They just, how do you know? So I know John and I don't blame anybody. It's just, yeah. Yeah. So just 
yeah, fight for your kids, fight for resources, fight for, yeah, and get counseling for both of you, not just for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And from an anti standpoint, mm-hmm. just fucking love those kids. Just love them. Yes. Don't have any expectations. Have zero expectations on what the relationship could be or will be or what they're going to do. Just love them. Yeah. And from an outsider, I would just say, just hold your judgment. Um, yeah. If, if I need to feed my kids don't make our donuts every day, because that's the only way I get them to counseling and they're overweight. I got them into counseling. Like, don't, <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. It's no, true. like, I think you don't know what's going on in those families. Just go up beside them, do your best to support them. Um, and just really hold your judgment. Be very open to all the things. Yeah. I remember it um, we've had, Chad and I've talked a lot about this and I've talked publicly about this too with people is like over the years, over the last 17 years, I don't even know how many months we've had at least one of your children living with us. I know. Right. And the kids are I like, know. we go to Auntie Dawn and Uncle Chad's and we're bad. And I'm like, no sometimes sometimes when mom and dad need respite that's where you go (laughs) but sometimes it was and like I'd say from an auntie and uncle standpoint that was one of the coolest things that we decided to do was we were going to step up and love them as hard as we could so it was like do they need the sometimes they were hard to love right so loving them gosh loving them when they are prickly right like right it was like loving a porcupine with their quills out the whole time but it was like we made an extra effort to no, no, no. We're not just going to buy toys. We're going to buy clothes for this, these kids because their parents are struggling. and We need to like help financially in that way. Or when we come visit, we're going to help do a clean sweep of the house, or we're going to help organize things, or we're going to help do things like that because we can do that. We can do that from the outside because we're not in the middle of the PTSD of the raising of these kids. But also we always said like, you make a phone call, we will drive the eight hours pick them up and take them for a day, a week, a month, a year. Like, what do you need? And we did. And that's why, and you often talk about, you know, like wanting to have your own kids. And I'm like, but you could not have been there for, for our kids that way. Had you had your own kids and like, not that I'm glad you didn't have your own kids, but these kids (laughs) needed, that's what these kids needed was like co-parenting, tag teaming. And sometimes yeah, you guys were a lifesaver. Well, and because we could, I mean, we made that choice. We made that choice that we're like, no, these are our babies. And how can we support? How can we support? Because we know that this isn't a normal situation. Like I know times that you guys would come and visit us and we'd be like, go to a hotel. And you'd be like, what? And be like, leave us with the four kids and just go. Like, just go. And you guys would be so nervous. And all of a sudden we'd have these four little kids and we'd figure it out. Yeah. I mean, we nobody died. Nobody died while we were. We may have had a child head dive through a laundry chute at one point. And (laughs) the screaming that ensued and all of the adults running to make sure said child was alive and not dead. May have thank God there was a laundry pile on the bottom of the there was a laundry before. pile because I sucked at doing laundry and they landed in it and giggled but I mean we survived and they survived and you know sometimes that's I think that that's what we needed is what you guys needed is what the kids needed was somebody to just step in and be like you know what 
we'll figure this out. Go breathe. Yeah. And right. yeah, another thing I wanted to touch on is a lot of people have been like, oh, you're so lucky to have the kids. You guys are so amazing. And the kids are so lucky to have you. And I clearly remember one of them coming home from school. You're so lucky to be adopted. And they were like, I'm not lucky to be adopted. Like my family abandoned me and this and this and this happened. And now I'm an adoptive family, like lucky me. And I was like, you're right. You are so right. In an ideal world, dad and I would have had birth babies and you would be with your birth family. And we're taking two shitty situations and we're trying to make something beautiful out of it. And like, I think we really need to watch her. Like, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. Language. Oh, it must be so uh, you were adopted. Yeah. You know, you're not lucky you're adopted. Like, yes. Yes. I mean, we chose them and we are so happy to have them. And they are lucky in a sense that they didn't grow up in a foster care system. That's they are lucky. But we got to be really like we need to address the grief and the loss at all levels of adoption and be okay with the feels and the behaviors and the things that come out of that. They're real. And we can't just, yeah, assume that everybody's just going to be okay. Yeah, that that right there. That is so important. Jill, this was so fun. I hope that people listening to this got something out of it, understand adoption in a different way, maybe need to apologize to someone in their life for how they responded or reacted or something that they've said. And you know what? It's no judgment, just curiosity. Like we're all learning, we're all growing, we're all figuring this out. And it's just a matter of, I don't know, acknowledging it and, and learning, learning from it to be like, okay, how do we- Unless they're perfect and we're all doing our best. like. I know adoptive families out there, like I've had a few that have reached out to me recently that are really struggling and they're just like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, you're doing your best. You are a super parent. Like it doesn't look great right now. You are messing up royally at times, but you are loving from a part of your being that you like, I don't know. It it makes us better people. Like I think you and Chad are better people for having these kids in your life. Oh, 100%. And John and I for sure are everybody that comes in contact with them is like, they are amazing. I think they're more beautiful people because of what they've been through. I mean, yeah. Yeah. They really truly are. Yeah. Okay. So let's do the silly questions and I'll let you get back to your day. Okay. What is your secret guilty pleasure way to decompress? baths <laughs> oh my word yes so many and so long yeah I could live in the bathtub when I'm happy when I'm sad when I'm tired when I'm mad all the things yeah I love that for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours I like I may read books and watch whole seasons of tv shows in the bathtub <laughs> you do <laughs> and when the kids were struggling when they were little be like you just need to have a bath and they're like I was like a bath fixes all things <laughs> <laughs> yes, I very much agree that in your world the path has always been your like your biggest, biggest thing. Um, describe yourself in one sentence or a few words. Everyone likes to break this one and just do what they want. How would you describe yourself? Same and extroverted, introvert. I am feisty now. Yeah. Um, you love really hard on your people. I do. I do. Yeah. And sometimes I have to remember that I can't fix all the things. Yeah. 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 You're a big lover in that way. And mm -hmm. what do you spend a silly amount of money on? 
this was really hard for me because lately I've been like really not spending a lot of money, but I really like to shop. So <laughs> I've been like, I like to packages. So lately, I really Chad. Yeah. So I've been buying things that I could buy in town off Amazon just so that I can spend Ooh. money online. Don't do that. <laughs> no, but I need it to fill my, my need. <laughs> I bought dish towels and I bought syrup for my coffee. Like I buy things that I would buy in town, but I, on Amazon, I can read the reviews. So I know if they're good, I'm not going to buy shitty towels. That oh, you are so funny. You're like, Chad, he just likes to feel like it's Christmas all the time and there's packages. But I, but I can't justify <laughs> buying something I don't need right now because I need to save yeah. money. So, and then, and then this isn't spending money, but I've been like squirreling money into an account that John doesn't have access to. So really? he'll be like, where did all the money go? And he, and it's not that I'm hiding it from him. I tell him what's in there. And like, he's like, there's no money. I'm like, it's okay. It's over here. You just can't access. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> but So like the money will all go missing, but it's like, I put it in this account and I put it on the visa and I did that with it. And okay. so that's when spending so my money on right now. It's just the secret account. Yes. That is amazing. I'm spending all my money on gardening supplies. That's yeah. my, yeah, that's my problem. I really haven't been buying much lately. Although. Good job. Yeah. It used to be candy and knitting and crocheting stuff. Yes. Yes. Lots of crafting. <laughs> mass mass your materials like can i have candy and i'd say i don't have any she'd be like yeah you do (laughs) you guys used to like a rubbermaid bin of candy right i always have candy yeah Yeah. i used but john's diabetic now so i really try to not to limit that a little probably yeah Yeah. it's probably good for me right this was so fun thank you so much for hanging out with us today and Yeah. For being on the show. I hope for listeners, you guys heard something that hit home, shifted something in you and proved that you're not alone, but also that you grew in some way. Join us again in two weeks for another amazing topic. You'll have to wait to find out what it is because I don't know yet, but I am open to, to people reaching out to me if they have questions or. Yes. So we will put contact information for Jill in the show notes so that you can get access to her. If you want to talk to her or just pass on her information to somebody, please tell your friends if they need to listen to this episode or your family members, the more people that feel understood, the better. You can always check out the show notes located at the taylorway.ca for more information, all the contact information for today's guest. And maybe we can get her to give us some resources. If there's like books or podcasts or anything like that, that have helped her on her journey. We will put those there as well and subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you love the show, it would mean the world if you left a rating or review. See you guys in a couple of weeks.